All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a love ride. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good uh, Good Times. Uh, this is uh, now the third hour of today's show, the last time that we will have a three-hour show. And I should mention uh, the sponsors for the second and third hour show, since I did not get around to mentioning the sponsors for the second hour. Anyway, the sponsors for the second and third hour of today's show, Gold Bullion Development, Crocodile Gold, Legend Gold, Athabasca Uranium, Golden Minerals, Western Pacific, Focus Metals, uh, Barkerville Gold, Great Panther Resources, and Millrock Resources. Well, I'm really pleased to have with me now Lawrence Page. He's the president and CEO of Southern Silver Exploration. Uh, Southern Silver Exploration Corp. trades in Toronto under the symbol SSV, uh, in Frankfurt under the symbol SEG, and you can buy it in the United States uh, over-the-counter under the symbol SSVFF, SSVFF. 92.4 million shares of stock outstanding. Uh, today it was trading a little earlier today anyway at 24 cents, giving it a market cap of just $22 million. Well, I welcome, uh, Lawrence, uh, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Oh, thank you very much, Jerry. Very, very nice to have you with me. I, uh, in looking at $22 million mar- dollar market cap companies, uh, to me that's in a price range I like to look at, as I've said earlier in today's show and say many times, the junior markets are not really what I consider efficient markets. If you have you know, the large uh, Dow Jones and uh, 30 industrials are followed widely by big moneyed interests, uh, information is instantly gathered uh, and uh, uh, sought after and absorbed and factored into the market. These penny little, mine, little penny mining stocks a lot of times, very few people pay too much attention. And I like that because it means there's a chance that you can make a lot of money if you're right, if you're, uh, if you're recognizing value. So with $22 million in market cap, I've got to ask you, uh, we've got to learn a little bit more, a little bit about some of your projects. First of all, let me ask you, what is your business model? Are you strictly an exploration company or do you ever expect to be a producer or is that something you don't know yet? No, I know it very well. I've been in business for uh, 40 years and always been an explorationist. And uh, our business model is simply to uh, find very, very good projects, uh, spend the money to develop them to a scoping study stage, and then pass them on to uh, mining companies. It served me well in the past. I've done it six times for six producing mines. And I think Southern Silver has all of the assets uh, to allow me to have a seventh. So that's my project for this year. 
Well, I'll tell you, seven, uh, six, most people in this business would be happy to have one or two of them under their belt. Uh, with that many successes, uh, again, I would remind investors, uh, if they don't already know it or haven't thought about it, management is the most important thing when you look at a company. So, And track record, of course, uh, speaks to the management. But uh, so you have, as I understand, there's a few properties that you really focused on, but uh, what would be your flagship property? My flagship property is a property in uh, Mexico in the uh, state of uh, Durango. It's called the Cirrus Las Minitas, and we're very, very lucky to acquire it. Uh, we acquired it uh, some four months ago, and since that time we've been very, very aggressively uh, exploring the property by uh, airborne geophysics, uh, ground uh, IP uh, surveys, and uh, and diamond drilling. We're on the third hole of uh, drilling this property now. It's a very large property. It's uh, 24 uh, lineal miles, uh, mm. but uh, the focus is on the Cerro, which is a small hill, two existing mines on the uh, property, and we're exploring on structure as well as uh, geophysical targets. Uh, the geologists like the rock. Now we'll see what the assayer uh, likes. Uh, but we've got three uh, 3,000 meters, and we're about a third of the way through there now. That's the property, in my view, that's going to lead us uh, from pennies to dollars if the assays uh, come out as we think they are. It's a uh, silver prospect, silver lead zinc, uh, but silver is the darling now, darling metal, and uh, we're in the right district. We're in the Faja de Plata district, the belt of uh, silver. And uh, so if you ask about a flagship, that's the uh, property we're concentrating on. We have uh, three others, uh, one of which is uh, awaiting drill results, and the other one is awaiting a permit, and then we'll be drilling that. Happy to chat with you about that as life goes on here. Well, absolutely, but let's just ask, I want to ask you uh, on the Cerro on the Las Minit. Uh, how do you say Manitas? I say Manitas. You, you pronounced it more di differently. How do you pronounce the, the company again, the project again? Cerro uh, Las Minitas. Minitas. Cerro yeah. Las Minitas. Okay, so you're, how soon might we expect some drill results? Uh, re realistically, uh, 45 days, uh, maybe earlier. Uh, in Mexico, you get a faster turnaround on assays than you do in the United States or in Canada. Um, certainly out of the first hole we'll be getting something in uh, roughly 45 days and then the, there'll be a news flow throughout the balance of this expiration year. Okay, so uh, I mean this is the lifeblood of junior mining companies and so uh, investors always want to know and keep their eyes on, on the results. Uh, what about the Oral? That's another property that you have. I guess that's in New Mexico. Could you just spend a minute to talk a little bit about the Oral? Sure. The, the Oro is, uh, is a very interesting property that's taken us uh, about four years to put together because it's an amalgam of uh, land which is controlled by the American federal government, uh, by the state government, and by a private owner. And we put it all together. We, uh, we have flown it with geophysics. We've had one round of drilling. We ended in mineralization, but we couldn't let the drill stem go any further because we didn't own the land at the time. We've now put it all together. We've 
completed uh, acquiring more land, and I expect to have a permit issued by the New Mexican state government within the next seven to ten days, something imminent in any event. Uh, we have a drill lined up, and uh, we'll have it turning the day after we get the, um, the drilling permit issued. How much are you going to be drilling there? We'll do an initial 3,000 meters, uh, dependent on uh, results coming out of that. Uh, we've got some tremendous targets there, and uh, some deeper targets and some shallow targets. Uh, our expectation is we'll spend our early money drilling the shallow targets, which is uh, gold, copper, silver. Uh, we believe there's a deep porphyry, and I'd like to use somebody else's deep pockets to explore that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so are these, uh, on both of your properties, the one in Mexico and this one in New Mexico, are they both shallow? I guess they're both shallow open pit targets that you're looking at? Yeah, certainly in Mexico. Uh, it is an underground mine now. It's uh, it's being mined by the Optionor. Uh He's taking uh, 50 tons a day out because it's very high grade. It's a trip, typical Mexican mine with a hole in the top, and uh, they go down uh, 300 feet, and then they have a uh, tunnel where they're uh, where they're mining. Uh, we're we're finding mineralization at about uh, 250 to 300 meters, which is about 900 feet. So mm-hmm. that that one will continue to be an underground mine unless we find uh, at a shallower uh, depth uh, in the alluvium. Um, a much larger target, and then it'll be an open pit, very much like the Penasquito silver uh, gold uh, mine in Zacatecas, which was found by our predecessor company, Western Silver, and is mm-hmm. now run by Gold Corp. Mm-hmm. So it's early days, um, whether it's uh, shallow or deep, uh, the mining method will be uh, considered by somebody other than me. Um, you have a, a very interesting copper target uh, in Arizona, I believe it is, uh, with, that Freeport McMurrin is drilling, um, is, is actually a, put a couple of deep holes down. Could you talk to our listeners? We only have a couple of minutes, but could you talk to our listeners about that project? This is, this is a target that uh, was a subject of uh, a shallow drilling through the last uh, two decades uh, because all of the copper mines in uh, around Tucson at that time were open pit mines. Um, Freeport McMoran, which is the largest uh, uh, copper miner in the world, believes that there's a, very, a deep porphyry, and it could be as deep as a mile. And uh, they've drilled two deep holes now down to uh, 1,700 meters. Uh, we're waiting for the assay results of the second hole. And uh, they've just told me today that they've permitted four more holes, uh, which will be drilled uh, on a time basis, and they haven't told me when they're going to be drilled. But I'm very heartened about that because each hole costs around $500,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they find what they're looking for, then we've got a carried 30% interest of a huge porphyry copper uh, mine. And uh, the analog to that, if I may, is uh, the Resolution Mine, which is uh, near Phoenix, and that's 1.6 billion tons of 1.47% copper. Mm. It's a huge target. We're carried. We're not spending our money, and we're very happy with results so far. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and there were results uh, from the first drill hole then? They have very uh, good results, anomalous, not, not uh, ore grade results, but enough to vector their geologists into drilling the uh, second hole. It was a step out. Uh, our geologists reckon that the visuals were much more promising, and obviously Freeport thinks so because uh, they're going to drill four more holes. Well. Very interesting. I, I tell you, for a company with $22 million uh, market cap, it certainly does look like something that I need to take a closer look at for my subscribers. What about cash in the bank? Do you have some uh, funding uh, to go forward with the projects you're spending money on in Mexico and, and New Mexico? Yeah, we have uh, about uh, uh, $1.75, $1.8 million in the bank. We have... Uh, uh, $8 million uh, worth of warrants, which are presently uh, in the money. Uh, so the cash flow is coming along quite nicely. We expect to finance from the warrant exercise and not do another equity raise at these prices. And uh, that's obviously going to be uh, dependent on assay results. So we're all waiting for the assayer. Okay, so what uh, at what strike price uh, the warrants more or less? So we get an idea of how many new shares. At, at we'll twenty be cents. Twenty cents. Okay. All right. Well, this sounds really interesting. Anything else you'd like to add before we uh, before we break this time? Just uh, concentrate on silver. I think your listeners should concentrate on silver. It's uh, it's a new industrial metal. It's uh, it's uh, going through forty dollars and. Uh, when you get significant analysts like uh, BMO uh, saying that uh, it's going to break out on the upside, I think we're in the right metals at the right time. All right. Well, that's, uh, it sounds, certainly sounds like a very interesting story. Thank you very much, uh, Lawrence, for being with us. Folks, don't go away. Uh, we've got to take a break now, but we're going to come right back uh, with another very interesting story. This one has to do with rare earths. Uh, we're going to be talking to Alan Shevsky. He's the president of Pele Mountain Resources. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Crocodile Gold Corp is a new gold producer with bite. With operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia, Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometres. Please visit our website at www.crocgold.com for more information. Don't let this snappy opportunity pass by. The high-risk but high-reward business of mineral exploration is key to discovery and development of America's next generation of mines. A leader in this search is Mill Rock Resources. Based in Anchorage, Mill Rock is revealing the astounding potential for gold deposits in the Alaska frontier. In Arizona, the target is giant, hidden porphyry copper deposits. Financing this search are joint venture partners Tech, Ballet, Inmet, Kinross, and Altius, major industry players. Together, the aim is discovering world-class gold and copper deposits to help secure America's productive future. Investors can share in the potential rewards. Mill Rock trades on the TSX Venture Exchange, symbol MRO. 
Great Panther Silver is a profitable primary silver producer trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol GPR. GPR operates two 100% owned mines in Mexico, has a solid track record of increasing production, and continues to add resources and reserves. GPR has developed an organic growth strategy that will see production increase by more than 65% over the next two years. Great Panther Silver is also generating excitement at its new discovery in Guanajuato and expanding its drill program. Look for GPR on the TSX. Brigus Gold is a growing gold producer with expected production of about 85,000 ounces of gold this year from its Black Fox mine in the Timmins Gold District in Canada. Next door to Black Fox, Brigus has the exciting Gray Fox Pike River Gold Project. Brigus is also advancing its Goldfields Project in Saskatchewan, Canada, and its promising exploration projects in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. All of its gold assets are in low-risk operating jurisdictions. Consider Brigus as your gold investment choice. Brigus is listed on the MX and TSX under the symbol BRD. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have with me Alan Shevsky. He's the president and CEO of Pele Mountain Resources. Trades uh, on the Toronto Exchange under the symbol GEM. And uh, you can buy it in the United States uh, over-the-counter under the symbol PNMHF. PNMHF. 132.6 million shares outstanding at around 32 cents, gives it a market cap of about $42 million. Uh, welcome, Alan, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Oh, hi, Jay. Thanks for having me on the program. Really good to have you with us today uh, to tell us about a very unique property, very unique indeed. Rare earth metals are uh, are kind of in vogue these days. You know, the the uh, junior mining sector seems to have uh, have different sort of metals of, of the year, metals of the month or whatever, but this is rare earths are really catching on and for some good economic reasons. It's not just a fad. It, there is some certainly some strong economic reasons for that as technologies require different kinds of metals that weren't used so much in the past. But can you talk to our listeners just a little bit about your business model? Are you an exploration company, strictly speaking, or could you be a producer one day? Uh, our goal is definitely to advance uh, the project through the development stages and into production. And uh, we're focused now on uh, the sustainable development of this very large deposit. Uh, we've come a long way with it so far. We've got a big resource outlined, uh, already a 43-101 compliant resource. And it's one of only six companies in North America that actually has a 43-101 resource for rare earths. And uh, we're pretty advanced with the project. Back in 2007, 
we completed a scoping study. At the time, the primary focus was the uranium, uh, and, and, and the economic model showed revenue from just the uranium. But because of what's been happening with the prices uh, of the rare earths since then, uh, we're redoing our economic model and we'll be publishing a new preliminary assessment uh, later in this quarter. Um, and uh, what that will show is all the advantages we've been able to achieve uh, with regard to reducing operating and capital costs, and also um, uh, that was from the mine design and, and processing design optimization work we've been doing. But, but also, more significantly, it's going to show a source of revenue not just from the uranium, but also from the rare earth uh, oxides for the first time, and, and we do expect that to be quite, quite important to the project. Well, give our listeners a sense of what uh, you mentioned. You have a 43101 resource. Talk to us about that resource. How many pounds of uranium, how many pounds of rare earths do you have there based on work done so far? Uh, okay, it's a, it's a very big deposit. It's uh, in the Elliott Lake mining camp, which, which has a history of uh, producing uh, both uranium and rare earths. It's the only mining camp in Canada that's actually produced rare earths commercially in the past. And our particular 43101 deposit, the indicated resources are 51 million pounds of the total rare earth oxides uh, and an additional 15 million pounds of U308. And on the inferred side, uh, another 96 million pounds of rare earth oxides and 31 million pounds of, uh, of, of uranium oxide. So hmm. it's a very big resource in a well-established mining camp in Elliott Lake. Uh, and again, it's the only place in Canada that has actually produced rare earth oxides commercially in the past. And it was a very important source of the heavy rare earths. Uh, historically, um, Elliott Lake was, was one of the places that was actually able to produce the heavy rare earths and the most important source in North America for heavy rare earths. Hmm. Uh, okay, talk to us about heavy rare earths for those of us that not as, not as uh, well versed on the um, uh, on these metals. Talk, what are heavy rare earths, and then maybe you can talk to us about some of the others that you have there. <clears throat> okay, sure. So um, the heavy rare earths are really uh, much more rare uh, in, uh, than the light rare earths, and and both like all the rare earths together are very rare today and and hard to come by because 97% of the commercial production today is in China. And China has recently imposed export restrictions, which means uh, they're not supplying the market with as much rare earths as the, as the market needs. And that's why the prices of these rare earths has really gone skyrocketing. Uh, but even in, the, in China, they've got a, a very large source of the light rare earths, uh, probably enough to supply the world for more than 100 years. But on the heavy rare side, it comes from an area of China in the south, the ionic clay deposits, where even for the Chinese, it's a very limited supply. And uh, a lot of commentators are suggesting that they're going to be uh, becoming net importers of, of heavy rare earths uh, before too long. So, uh, I, you know, the names of these heavy rare earths are um, uh, names like uh, terbium and dysprosium and holmium and erbium. And, you know, they're, they're, I guess, not very common names. Yttrium also is like a, a heavy rare earth. Uh, and these are, uh, these are elements that uh, in Elliott Lake, there's very good recovery of the heavy rare earths because the heavy rare earths are associated with the uranium minerals in Elliott Lake. Uh, but the light rare earths, and those are rare earths like uh, lanthanum and cerium, 
praseodymium and neodymium um, and samarium. Those are the ones uh, where they're associated, at least in Elliott Lake, the mineralogy is a little bit more tricky for the way that we're going to be doing uh, the recovery, and so uh, the the recovery is not quite as good. In fact, it's it's much it's it's poor compared to the heavy rares. Mm-hmm. But the re- recovery of heavy rares is good, and uh, and that's good for us because the heavy rares are the ones that are more valuable and over time are are going to be more rare. And even when the new deposits come on stream uh, here in North America, Mollycorp is is developing a deposit that could be in production within a couple of years. And uh, in Australia, there's another big deposit that Linus is developing. But those are primarily light rare earth deposits. So there's going to be a continuing shortage of these heavy rare earths, and that's why Elliott Lake is such a strategically important deposit. Uh, Alan, is this going to be an open pit mine? Uh, no, uh, Jay, this is going to be an underground uh, mining situation. Like all of the mines in the past at Elliott Lake, there were 12 mines uh, in production historically at, at Elliott Lake, and they were all underground mines. But our deposit comes to the surface, and it outcrops along a horizon that's six kilometers long, so you can actually walk along the deposit for six kilometers. Mm. But it dips down to the north at, a, at about 20 degrees, and so uh, we will be mining this thing underground. When do you expect to have an updated uh, economic study completed that would take into consideration? I guess the rare earths would be a byproduct or not? Well, it's, uh, it's an interesting question. Historically, they were definitely a byproduct. And, uh, you know, based on the relative pricing of uranium and rare earths, uh, they were always contemplated to be a byproduct. But nobody foresaw, at least we didn't foresee, what's happening today with the prices of rare earths going absolutely vertical. And in fact, in the resources that we have on the property, for every pound of uranium, we have about three pounds of rare earths. So there is a, a significant quantity of these rare earths. And because the prices are going absolutely skyrocketing right now, if that trend were to continue, it is foreseeable that in, in before too long, the major source of revenue could be the rare earths making uranium the byproduct. But, but as it stands today, and historically for sure, it, it was primarily uranium deposits with, uh, with rare earth oxides as byproducts. What is the grade of uranium there? Uh, the grade of the uranium is running uh, about 0.048%, uh, so just over a pound per ton on the indicated resources, and on the uh, rare earth side, the total rare earths are about 0.164 on the indicated. So about three, times, about three times as much rare earths as there is uranium. And would you be able to give us some, source, uh, some sense of the relative value of the rare earths to the uranium then? Well, it's all a function of what's recoverable, yeah, and right. uh, I have to be a little bit careful because sure. uh, we haven't really uh, put that information out yet in a 43-101 compliant document, but that's coming shortly, Jay, and uh, okay. I would suggest well, within the next few weeks uh, well, we will be should... able to put that information out. Well, people should keep uh, up to date with you if they're interested in your story. It certainly does sound like an interesting story. Where can they? What is your website so they can track you? Thank you. It's at uh, www.telemountain.com. And you also have a gold project, a, a property or two. Might you just comment briefly on that? Sure. We started the company back in 1996, and uh, our first two projects in Ontario were both gold properties, and we still own those properties. Um, one of them, which is just west of Thunder Bay in the Shabandawan Greenstone Belt, 
Uh, we've joint ventured that project with a company called Coventry Resources, and they're out there funding and operating the work on that project. The other one is in the uh, Goudreau-Lacalche deformation zone, which is just north of Wawa, and a very prolific greenstone belt uh, where there's been a lot of historic mines, and there's uh, a mine in production right now that's owned by Richmond Mining. Um, our property is a very large property. It uh, covers about 30 kilometers of the greenstone belt uh, intermittently, and, uh, and all of these past producers are sort of dotted in between and around us, and two of them are actually on our property. So uh, historically, we've done a little bit of work uh, with actually um, doing some bulk sampling and mining some of the uh, gold in the past to get some revenue from the project. Uh, we've got several high-grade narrow vein uh, showings uh, that we've actually drilled and uh, come up with good results. Very typical of the camp um, in terms of looking like the other mines that have been in production. Uh, and more recently, there's uh, a new model emerging because of the price of gold being so high. Um, there's uh, a new model where the uh, not just the narrow veins and the high-grade parts of the deposit are of interest, but Looking at the wider zones of low grade, uh, one of the deposits next door to us, the old Magino mine, uh, they've put together a couple of million ounces of indicated resources and put a model around it for one of these large tonnage low grade deposits. And uh, it's actually quite robust. Uh, they've just published the economics for it. And, uh, and we see that as uh, a, new, a new target in the belt a new model for gold mineralization that no one's really looked at on our property because we were always more interested in the high-grade narrow vein deposits. But mm -hmm. certainly the mm -hmm. potential is there for this uh, new model of the bigger tonnage, lower-grade deposits, along with the opportunity to build resources in the, in the higher-grade narrow vein. So uh, both are present on the property, and, uh, and, yeah, we're excited about getting back there and doing some work this, this field season. So you have joint venture partners there on, on No, we continue problems? to own that project 100%. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh right. and uh we're looking at ways right now because we are focused at Eco Ridge on the yeah. uh on the development of that big uranium and rare earth deposit. Uh but these uh the the Highland Gold project and the other gold project that we have in the company, they do have a lot of value which uh I think we're looking at ways now uh, to unlock that value and, uh, and, and have our shareholders realize the opportunities. Uh, given the strong gold market and the, the very high potential of these properties, we're looking at ways to unlock that value while we continue to focus at Eco Ridge and moving that project along. Yeah, and speaking of Eco Ridge, uh, Elliott Lake, I would imagine with past production taking place there that the infrastructure is pretty good? Outstanding. Yeah, that's one of the strong advantages of working in a developed mining camp like that. We've got roads, power, a qualified workforce. The city of Elliott Lake is just 11 kilometers away from the property, and that, that city was built just to support the uranium mines. It, it wasn't even there before the mines were there. And there's strong support in the local community, and it's just really everything you could ask for in terms of an ideal location to develop a new, secure, and reliable long-term supply of these rare earth oxides and the uranium. Excellent. Well, thank you, Alan. That's all the time we have. Uh, I want to thank you for telling, uh, telling our listeners your story. It does sound uh, very interesting. Uh, your website again, just one more time. Uh, thanks, Jay. It's www.pelemountain, that's P-E-L-E, mountain, all spelled out, dot com.
Thank you, Alan. Thank you very much. Folks, don't go away. We've got to take a commercial break. And right on the other side of the break, uh, my friend and colleague and uh, analyst Ted Ohashi from Vancouver will be with us uh, to talk a little bit about the gold markets and other ideas that Ted has uh, to pass your way. Don't go away. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Parkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Gold Fields in British Columbia. Parkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer-long by 20-kilometer-wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Parkerville's own proposed open-pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Parkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. Brigus Gold is a growing gold producer with expected production of about 85,000 ounces of gold this year from its Black Box mine in the Timmins Gold District in Canada. Next door to Black Box, Brigus has the exciting Gray Fox Pike River Gold Project. Brigus is also advancing its gold fields project in Saskatchewan, Canada, and its promising exploration projects in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. All of its gold assets are in low-risk operating jurisdictions. Consider Brigus as your gold investment choice. Brigus is listed on the MX and TSX under the symbol BRD. Great Panther Silver is a profitable primary silver producer trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol GPR. GPR operates two 100% owned mines in Mexico, has a solid track record of increasing production, and continues to add resources and reserves. GPR has developed an organic growth strategy that will see production increase by more than 65% over the next two years. Great Panther Silver is also generating excitement at its new discovery in Guanajuato and expanding its drill program. Look for GPR on the TSX. North Atlantic Resources is a gold exploration company with three projects in Mali, West Africa. With successful drilling programs and new discoveries made this year, we are in an excellent position to advance our premier FT project to development. We have a 43-101 compliant resource of approximately 600,000 ounces of gold with a target to increase to over 1 million ounces. North Atlantic trades under the symbol NAC on the TSX Venture Exchange. Learn more about NAC. Go to our website at www.nac.com. TSX.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try to. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm really pleased to have with me Ted Ohashi, my friend, colleague, and uh, analyst from Vancouver. Welcome, Ted. Hi, Jay. How are you? I'm really terrific, although I would be better probably if I lived in Vancouver rather than New York. I don't know. <laughs> I just think Vancouver is a beautiful place. Yeah, it uh, is. If it's not raining, is it raining there today? No, not today. No. One of the few oh. days. <laughs> well, Okay, we've got some drizzle in New York, so definitely I'd be better off in Vancouver. Enough of this right. chat. Let's get on to the stuff that really matters. The dollar is getting whacked again today, or I don't know about today, but it's been very weak. Um, and we have record gold prices, or nearly record gold prices. I think you told me a minute ago that it was at $1,452, and silver is at over $40, $40.05. I mean, if you're a bull on these metals, what not, what's not to like? Yeah, that's right, and and I think that um, uh, if uh, if you watch gold um, the past few days or the past few weeks, it it really is fluctuating up and down with uh, what's going on politically down there. Uh, the record was hit just about coincident with uh, that last minute agreement uh, when it looked like there might not be an agreement on uh, on the uh, uh, in the in the Senate and the House and. Um, uh, you know, from uh, from a Canadian perspective, you know, as I look down at the U.S., if I can imagine uh, Canadian politicians talking about shutting down the government or uh, <laughs> not being able to uh, uh, pay our international obligations, I mean, um, there would be a furor up here. Uh, down there, they seem to take it in stride, or you seem to take it in stride. Uh, well, you I know why, Ted. Let me let me tell you why we do that. Uh, back in 1971, Richard Nixon defaulted on the obligations of the United States to pay the rest of the world in gold, in real money. Yeah. So there's a precedent. There's a precedent for this. Yeah. You know, we have a military. We, if you don't like it, you Canadians, well, we, you know, just you hush up, or you know, what might be coming <laughs> up your way. Yeah. No, but seriously, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a total joke, and I don't say it just in jest. I, I think there is some truth to that. That the United States is a bully, and it does what it wants. It has proven that it does, and it, you know, it picks fights with people whenever it wants and whatever. So, but here's the question I have for you, Ted: The dollar is under pressure. That military machinery cost a heck of a lot of money. Never mind the bailouts of bankers and. Uh, all kinds of other stuff that the government is spending money for. We had Walter uh, John, Walter Williams, on with us earlier today. John tells us that the demographics uh, and the commitments of the United States government to pay Social Security, uh, Medicare, and all the other things it's, it's promised its citizens it's going to pay, that even if the government taxed us 100% of our income, it would not be sufficient to meet all the obligations that the government has promised. Wow. Now, John is a believer that we that hyperinflation is inevitable, and he thinks it's starting to tick up now. He believes the inflection point might be down at 2013, 2014, when it goes vertical. But do you see the possibility, Ted, in your wildest dreams? Could you see the United States of America becoming a hyperinflationary economy? Well, if, if the things that uh, the U.S. is engaged in now uh, continue without change, then I think, you know, it, it's almost inevitable. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, these uh, wars or mini wars or whatever you want to call them that uh, the U.S. is engaged in are, are very, very costly. 
Um, and I think experience shows that uh, that they go on for a lot longer than uh, the politicians assume at the outset. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, there's no payback for the Americans in a financial sense. I'm, I'm talking economically. Um, and so, you know, you're spending money without getting anything back. Um, and, and that's a problem. Um, you know, you need to increase your debt ceiling. And, and you've got these political uh, issues going on internally um, where... I don't, I'm not saying that it's a realistic possibility that, uh, that the U.S. will default on its debts, but it, it's going to, again, come down to an 11th hour negotiation where uh, the politicians pressure each other, and, and the markets find that all very unsettling. Yeah, indeed. And, Ted, I would argue that, in fact, we have already started the process of defaulting on our debts, not in terms of paying the nominal amounts back, but let's suppose you're a Chinese uh, holder of U.S. Treasuries, and the Chinese see Mr. Bernanke creating $2 trillion out of thin air. Well, that's equal to what they're owning. That's more than what they own in U.S. Treasuries. So out of thin air, Mr. Uh, Bernanke can create $2 trillion of claims against U.S. assets. So in effect, we have this inflationary problem, as you point out, the demise of the dollar. And the only way you can protect yourself, real well, one of the few ways, is to buy real property or to buy gold or silver and so forth. Now, Ted, you and I are going to be meeting up along with other people from Investment Pitch in a couple of days in Chicago uh, at this conference that Rich Redez and the, uh, the Chicago conference uh, that's held in Rolling Meadows outside of Chicago. Uh, Ted, you and I are both on the advisory board of Investment Pitch. Uh, investment pitch, as I understand, is going to be there. We'll be filming some of the companies that are presenting at the show, and then our listeners could actually go to investment pitch and watch uh, those discussions and, and the company's presentations. Is that right? Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, seeing you down there and, and taping your presentation as well, um, and uh, for several of the companies. Um, and then what we do is we post those uh, tapings on our website so that uh, people who can't get to Chicago can see what was going on. Well, it's a it's an excellent uh, it's an excellent show. I've been there many times myself, uh, and uh, it, it's sort of unique. It's different than a lot of the shows that we go to. Actually, it uh, it is. Uh, I think David Morgan is going to be a speaker. Uh, he's the keynote speaker. Myself and several other newsletter writers will be on a panel. They'll have a panel discussion Friday evening and then I think over lunch we also have another panel discussion but mostly it's just companies that are telling their stories uh, like they do on this show uh, we've had three of them on today to tell their story so investors can get a sense of what the upside potential is what the risks are we always like to point out uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch and if there is a lot of upside potential there's going to be a considerable amount of risk a lot of times too so we we like to give investors uh, an opportunity to uh, to put their money to good use, and uh, I know that that's what Investment Pitch is all about. It is providing a forum for people to learn more and more about uh, about various investment opportunities. Ted, is there anything else you'd like to say before we part company this week? Uh, no, just uh, that uh, you know I remain bullish on gold, uh, as you do, I think, and uh, and precious metals, um, and that uh, we look forward to seeing you in a few days down in Chicago.
Excellent. Thank you very much, Ted. Uh, that's all the time we have this week. Let me tell you, next week, folks, coming on our show, our main guest is going to be Sean Broderick. We go back to a two-hour format. Uh, you could all take advantage of our special introductory offer. Call uh, Claudio Bossi, 718-457-1426, or go to miningstocks.com. We want to thank our uh, the producer, Tacey uh, Trump, for helping us uh, along and making the show logistically possible. Ruben Colomb, uh, Justin Jackman, my engineer as well, for making this show logistically possible. Thanks to each of you for listening and making this the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Till next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time.